I'm Shivani Gupta and welcome to the Ask Shivani Podcast. I believe that one of the best presents that you can give yourself is time to be able to sit down and ask yourself some questions. I believe that the quality of the questions that you ask yourself will determine the quality of your life. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Ash Shivani podcast. I'm so excited to be here today, and I'm going to talk about one of the topics that is super important to me and has become more and more important as I have got older. One of the things that I didn't do very well was look after my wellness. Um, To me, however, wellness has become this very kind of trendy word that everybody is speaking about. You know, there's this wellness, there's these different types of wellness. And a lot of the times that we're speaking about wellness, I'm not sure it quite fits into that category. But to me, wellness is a little bit like self-esteem. Self-esteem, you can't just say my self-esteem is high or is it low. You'll find that in some areas, your self-esteem will be high. And in other areas, your self-esteem will be low. And I believe that wellness is the same. You can have aspects of your wellness that you'll be doing really well at and you would give yourself a pretty high rating in terms of how you're going and there'll be other areas that you will not rate yourself very well. So I want to dive into this very big topic of wellness and I really want to look at wellness in the five different areas. I believe that it fits in, not to say that there wouldn't be other areas, but this certainly fits into these five areas. And the first part that I wanted to speak about is psychological wellness. Now, that's something that not what we hear about. One of the things that we hear a lot about in our society, on different podcasts, in the media, is this whole notion of mental wellness. And I will go into that as well. And I believe that they are different. And so to me, mental wellness is really, some people would just call it mental wellness, which includes psychological wellness. I'm going to break those two parts up. I believe that psychological wellness is separate and we need to look at different coping strategies and look at different research and data that's available around there. And then look at mental wellness is in some of the things that you can do in terms of managing your wellness from managing your mind, managing your mint um, capacity, your mental capacity. The other two areas outside of psychological and mental that I want to cover in today's podcast is our emotional wellness. It is so important to, again, look at that separately. Um, Some people do combine that with mental. I believe it's really important to look at emotional wellness separately because, again, it could be that some of those areas you're doing really well at and others you aren't. And you want to kind of pinpoint what areas of your wellness that really need some strategy, really need some work so that you've got a bit of an action list and an action plan in terms of what you need to do to be able to get your wellness in that area back up to ground level and then starting to thrive in that area and not just survive or perhaps less. There's the physical wellness that I'll also speak about today and I also want to get a little bit woo-woo and talk a bit about spiritual wellness and um, again some people combine spiritual wellness but I want to look at that. So what I wanted to do is rather than talk about them at infinitum and say here are the issues, here is that, I want to spend this podcast sharing with you three key tips in terms of leaders I've had the opportunity to work with, my teachers and supporters, um, books that I've read, um, and really just simplify it so that we've got three things that come under each of these areas of wellness. And I would love at the end of this podcast for you to be able to go, you know what, Shivani, this one resonated with me really well. 
And if you get one thing out of today's podcast, which you can then apply into your life, because I want this podcast to be super pragmatic, super realistic, super practical and super applicable so that you can listen to this and then say, right, that's the one thing. Not only am I have I learned, but I'm also going to be able to apply. And that's one of the things that I'm going to look at potentially forming a new habit around that. So let's talk about psychological wellness first. Now, one of the things that's been happening over the last eight to 10 years is there's more and more work out where traditionally people would say, look, you're good at this and you're not so good at this subject at school. So then you would get a tutor to help you with the subject that you're not so good at. The, the, some of the work that's coming out in the last eight to 10 years is talking about people playing to their strengths. So people actually working on their strengths rather than just their weaknesses. Now, schools may be not a good example because we don't until we later on in school that we actually get the choice of subjects we want to study. But in the workplace, in running our businesses and running our families, one of the things that we need to look at from a psychological wellness is what are your strengths? And what you want to do is do more of your strengths and perhaps outsource or have some support in managing your weaknesses or things that you're not good at. Psychologically, when you work more on your strengths, you actually feel really good about yourself. You actually realise that you are doing more of what you're good at, more of your purpose, more of what you're here to do, rather than the not so good. So let me give you a couple of examples. So in my business, one of the things I'm not great at is the back end of websites, paperwork, um, you know, that mundane part of it that does not excite me because my personality is not wired that way. So when you're looking at your psychological stuff, that the more work I do around speaking and um, whether it's on a podcast or at events, the more work I do around mentoring, the more work around do around writing, I'm in my element, I'm in my strengths. When I do a lot of the other stuff, unless it directly relates to one of those three things, I don't actually manage my psychological wellness. I feel bored. I feel um, unmotivated. I, I don't enjoy my day where it's full of a lot of paperwork around that. So that would be one tip. The other one psychologically, and this will come up in one of the other areas as well, is to basically be able to really work on your psychology and be able to really be wired into your wellness around that. You need to get sufficient sleep. I remember this whole notion of sleep. I only came across a few years ago when I read Ariana Huffington's book, Thrive. And she's got this beautiful chapter, which is a little bit tongue in cheek, that she talks about um, sleeping your way to the top. And she says that if you really want to be a higher performer, you actually need to get better sleep. When I apply that to my family or I apply that to my work, I notice that. The nights that I've had really poor sleep, really fragmented sleep, I'm not at my best. I have got a short fuse. I'm cranky with the children, I'm cranky with my husband, I'm cranky with my staff, and I just feel a bit agitated, and that's not good for me psychologically. So having some routines around your sleep, having a set bedtime, um, for me, I tend to do three or four gratitudes before I go to bed, and that just helps me kind of clear my day. I try and not judge myself in terms of what I didn't do at the end of the day, and I look at two or three things that I did really well. And that really helps me get that little bit of better sleep. So again, whatever your methodologies are, if you don't have a sleep practice, looking at how you go to sleep, what your routine and your wellness hacks might be before you go to sleep would be a really good way to look at your psychological wellness. The other part is um, psychologically, and look, I know that, you know, the era before me, like my parents and uncles and aunties, 
They really struggled. Like you only went to see a psychologist if there was something wrong with you. And I think it's so important that that is becoming more widespread now, but it's not quite as widespread as we'd like, particularly when it comes to psychologists or psychiatrists and having that support that we need. So for me, um, support might mean is making sure that you've got some people that you can talk to that can help you work on some of your patterns psychologically. So, for example, last year when um, one of my wellness businesses went into lockdown, there was a lot of pressure on me to make sure that I um, did the right thing by my staff. So here was I trying to manage my staff. But one of the other things that I was trying to do is manage my own psychology, manage how I felt with it. And I was um, just felt like I was being pulled in the you know, direction with supporting kids doing homeschooling, with my husband being there. You know, I've worked for, from home for now um, almost three years. My space got encroached. There was more workload that happened with more morning teas and lunches and afternoon teas. And what we were doing, there was this, oh, better get the kids to exercise. And that was before managing staff and managing my own well-being around it. So I um, uh, engaged a psychologist who I had a session with initially every fortnight. And after that, I was able to increase or decrease the frequency and have it every uh, month and then go eventually to every six weeks. So and I did that for about six months. So I could talk about my feelings. I could talk about things that I wasn't coping with and just getting some support and some strategies around that. So, again, there's probably lots more things that we could speak about each one. I could talk about this topic till the cows come home, as they say. But I really just wanted to give you three specific tips that help you get started around your wellness, depending on which of the areas that you need to work on. So the second thing I want to talk about is our mental wellness or our mental well-being. And again, this is probably the topic that in the last decade, we've started to speak a lot more about. We've started to talk about anxiety and depression. Uh, we've also then started to see the issues um, in our society and how many people are coping with um, anxiety and depression, particularly some of our youth. Um, we've also started to hone into some of those issues and how that's led to greater issues, um, you know, up to things like suicide. And so when it comes to your um, mental uh, wellness, one of the, the, the tricks that I wanted to speak to you about is having, having a gratitude journal. Gratitude journals have been around for a long time, but it's the rhythm of it in terms of when you do that. So I have a 10-10-10 philosophy where every morning, and I got this from a great, amazing speaker that came to speak at EO or Entrepreneurs' Organisation about five years ago, and his name is Warren Rustan, and he um, has helped a lot of entrepreneurs around the world come up, you know, really practice this 10-10-10, whereas 10 minutes of reading, 10 minutes of journaling, and then 10 minutes of meditation. And in a really busy um, day, especially with young kids, I can do the 10, 10, 10. I can't do the hour of journaling, an hour of meditation, an hour of exercise. I just don't have enough space to be able to do that. So the 10, 10, 10 works really well for me. And in that 10 minutes of, of journaling, sometimes my journaling are a lot of more inventing and talking about things that I'm not enjoying, whether they be my family, my friends, my work, um, and just having a little vent um, but one of the things I noticed is, is that when I'm venting a little bit, I will eventually get that vent out and then start to 
write down two, three, even four things that I'm grateful for. You know, this morning when I journaled uh, before um, podcasting, I noticed that in Australia at the moment we are in spring and um, I've got this beautiful jacaranda tree which is so divine with these purple flowers. It is messy as and I really don't enjoy a blower vacuum <laughs> that pathway every couple of days. But when I um, opened up the blinds um, in my bedroom, I could see my beautiful jacaranda tree and it makes me feel like I live in a tree house and I absolutely love that. And so in my gratitude journal this morning, I wrote that I was so grateful for that jacaranda tree. To be able to wake up and see that nature and see these beautiful purple flowers on it was something that I wrote. Um, the notion of gratitude is really important because whatever we gratitude of, grateful for, we attract more of. Whatever we're grateful for makes us realise how much we have. Um, and it comes in really handy. Now, the, the second one, which I know so many people do so well and so many people have tried and have really doesn't resonate with them is meditation. I know for me, I wouldn't be able to cope through my day as well unless I did that 10 minutes of meditation. And I vary my meditation. I don't do the same thing every day, depending on what move, what energy, how much sleep I've had. So if I really can't concentrate, I will actually have my eyes open. Um, I might look at my jacaranda tree and just take in very deep breaths and let out some really long exhales. And that might be my meditation. Um, or um, I've done transcendental meditation or Vedic meditation, um, which is having one word and a mantra to try and focus on. Sometimes I'll just say the name of my husband and my two kids and myself, and that will be my meditation. So whatever form of meditation you have, um, there's a lot of research and data talks about how good meditation is for your mental well-being. Um, if you want to check out some apps, have a look at um, are calm. Um, there's a number of different things. I love Wayne Dyer and some of his meditations. Um, there are so many different ways, but keep trying something. Meditation to me is like exercise. Keep trying it until you find something that resonates with you and what works for you and have, you know, two or three go-to so you don't have to keep um, sticking to the one thing. The third thing um, that I wanted to talk about in mental um, things was just really being able to watch and hang around more positive people. I noticed that when I watch a lot of media, um, and look, this has been for now 20 years where uh, I can think of maybe once or twice in a year that I will sit down and watch the news. Very rarely, and this has now been going for almost 20 years, where I don't want to fill my head with murders and children being abused um, and car accidents and how many people have died. I feel really depressed and deflated at the end of it. So one of the things that I will do, um, and that doesn't mean I want to completely opt out of the world, so I will go online and do a quick overview of it or I will even watch the, in Australia we have this thing called BTN, Behind the News, um, which my kids, I let my kids watch. I don't want them to watch the, the full-on news and that will literally have like a two-minute update on two or three top stories designed to get to kids who are, you know, 10 years old. And so I'd rather that news be delivered in a form that I want to digest it rather than completely fire hosing myself with things that don't work for me. So I limit my social media. I limit my um, uh, the, the positive things I watch um, because that really has a big impact on me mentally. Um, and, you know, uh, there is some trauma that gets triggered for me from my childhood. 
So one of the things I've done is I know that the things that I watch, so if I can watch something with crime or I can watch something with a bit of comedy, even though sometimes um, the kids will make fun of me for watching rom-coms or romantic comedies, is I'd rather fill my head with that, even watching a movie I've seen 10 times. Let's talk about emotional well-being. The first thing that I wanted to talk about emotional well-being is probably one area that I've struggled with the most. Because for me growing up, particularly in my 20s and 30s, I just was like, look, you know, grow up, you know, be resilient, pull your socks up, pull your big girl pants on. And I would almost use the fact that I wasn't coping with something emotionally as a put down for myself. And it was a really negative way to deal with that. So one of the things that I've done is whether I work with an energy worker or a kinesiologist or somebody who helps me do the tapping or the EFT, like doesn't matter which form that I look at doing, um, but often the support I seek from other people is around emotional well-being. I want somebody to give me a different perspective. I want to use different modalities. Um, and you might have, you know, um, whatever, you might have an occupational therapist. You might have somebody who works on your back as a chiro. You might have a physio, like it may be, it may be physical, but they often help you release that emotional stuff. So find some support that works for you, keeping all your emotions tied in or doing what I did for like, you know, three decades of my life, which was Shivana, you'll be fine. You can cope with this. You can do all of this yourself is a really poor strategy. Seeking help, but around things that help you emotionally. And that might be a psychologist, as I spoke about in psychology um, wellness, or it might be somebody else. Have people that can support you in terms of what you do. The other thing um, that I wanted to speak about is this word feelings. Now, when I was growing up, you know, if somebody said, how are you, you'd say good. Or if you had, were having an awesome day, you would say great. And the interesting thing I've learned over the last few years is that good and great aren't feelings. You know, feelings are like sad, ecstatic, happy, angry, frustrated, disappointed. And there's like 250 different types of feelings. So there's a great um, thing that you can download from Google and you could just call it a feelings chart if you just Google that. And along will come all these different types of feelings. And one of the things that we've done is printed that and put that up on our fridge. I have one in my office. And sometimes when I can't quite put, you know, how do I feel about that? Am I shitty? Am I angry? Like, why do I feel frustrated? One of the things that I do is rather than come up with all of that in my head, I will literally go to my feelings chart and I will have a look at my feelings chart and scan down the list and go, yeah, that one's pretty, oh, that's interesting. I'm actually scared. I'm not frustrated. I'm actually scared. That's what's come up. And so having an ability to be able to start to have more vocabulary around our feelings, I have found to be a really important part of wellness. And um, look, we're very early stages of that, but also getting the kids to be able to describe more feelings rather than, you know, good and great are also really important and really healthy. So being able to tap into a whole range, a whole wheel of emotions, as I call it, but also being okay that whatever part of the wheel you're in, being able to express that is more important than, oh, my God, I'm sitting in a negative thing. So not marking that as a positive and negative, just knowing that it is a really important part of your wellness. And the third thing I wanted to talk about from an emotional wellness perspective is grounding in. Um, you know, one of the techniques I learned from a couple of the teachers that I've had an opportunity to work with is this notion of wellness and grounding in. So the way that I ground in that helps me emotionally, now it might help me other areas too, is I kind of imagine that I'm sitting down, I take my shoes off. So a lot of Indigenous cultures speak about the fact that rubber or leather 
prevent you from grounding into the earth. And what you want to do is kind of really, really ground in. So when I'm feeling really agitated or out of sorts, what I will often do is literally close my eyes and imagine that I've got little roots. Sometimes I only feel like really tiny, thin roots. Sometimes I feel like big trunks coming out of my feet into the ground. And a lot of different cultures speak about whether you are on the 36th floor of a building or whether your feet are on the grass, obviously the grass would be nicer, without having any shoes on and being barefoot, you can still ground into the earth. And so I will use that technique literally for 10 seconds and just go, okay, feel my roots going into the earth, and that will often make me feel a lot more emotional, stable. And, again, I'm kind of covering my some of my hacks and things I've learned from my teachers and books and things I practice. There's lots of different support out there. Keep searching till you find the things that work for you. I want to talk about physical wellness next. And one of the things um, that, again, I didn't pay a lot of attention to was that, um, that again, has come up a lot in our society is that smoke sitting is the new smoking. So, you know, in our 50s and 60s, lots of people smoked and even our 70s, and we then realised how bad smoking is for you. One of the things we've realised is our lifestyles have changed. We do more and more um, in front of the computer. We do more and more in front of our screens, different forms of screens. We are sitting around a lot. And some research and data has come out talking about the fact that sitting is almost got the same downsides as actually being able to be smoking. So it's um, really interesting to be able to move your body. Now, if you're already into exercise, awesome. For me, it's not something that comes naturally to me. But to then go and, again, find a gym and to be able to go and exercise for an hour seemed like a lot. So the simplest movement is 30 minutes of movement a day. And, again, 30 minutes of movement over seven days is 210 minutes. So rather than doing 90 minutes in a day and not moving, you're better off doing a minimum of 30 minutes of movement a day and that might be a simple walk so my go-to now is a 30-minute walk with a puppy good for him good for me good for the family and on days that I feel really excited I might get to Pilates once or twice a week or I might feel a little bit more um, rigorous sometimes if I really have low time I'll go okay so if I clean the pool a bit vigorously that'll be 15 minutes and then I've only got to do a 15 minute. So have a read through some of that research that but 30 minutes of some simple movement stretching movement is really, really important for physical well-being. The next thing that I wanted to talk about is, and again, I'm not an expert in nutrition, but I have found as I've got older, harder to digest food. So, you know, um, I could eat heaps of cheese, heaps of carbs in my 20s, and I would just digest it, never put on any weight. But more importantly, I've noticed it's not about the weight, it's the energy. So having food that actually supports your energy um, I have started to go back a little bit more into Ayurveda, which is a really old, ancient um, Indian practice of eating with your doshas and your doshas are the way that your body is actually made up and that some foods are better for you to, and easy to digest and fall in easily with you than others. And um, particularly now being a vegetarian for almost a decade, um, really look at the things that are good for your body. If you want to check out the doshas and the Ayurvedic system, have a look at that. If you already know what's good for you, um, then do more of that and a little bit less of the other stuff. You know, I'm finding, particularly in the evenings, I can't do big pizzas or big naan breads or things that are really doughy and bagels and things. My body just doesn't digest them. 
And so eating things that are easier for your body to digest then also helps with your sleep as well. So looking at things that are good for you, eating a bit more balanced and maybe getting some support from a nutritionist or having a look at things that work for you. And the, thing, the other thing that I wanted to speak about physically, and it's something probably I'm again learning more and more about in the last decade, and we forget to do that, right? We come into the world with a breath and we go out with a breath. But this notion of deep breathing and doing breath work, and, um, you know, I noticed that most of the day I'm having very, very shallow breathing. I don't go breathe deeply enough. And so to consciously do some breath work, I recently um, have attended a number of retreats in the last five years where there was some extended breath work, you know, between 45 and 90 minutes, 90 minutes of deep breath work, like you're like, whoa. Um, but at the end of it, oh, my God, I was so still doing deep breath work and I had probably the best night's sleep I'd had in so long. And, again, that's not a practice that we can, you know, build into our busy lives every day. But you might even want to, you know, put some time aside to do half an hour a week. Or if even that's too much, maybe look at doing an hour a month and having an hour a month to yourself where you've got that time just to do some breath work. That's really, really important. And I notice it has a massive impact on my physical stuff. So when I'm really stressed, rather than continuing to breathe really shallow, becoming really conscious of that and starting to breathe more deeply comes in very, very handy. And the last thing I want to talk about is spiritual uh, wellness. And to me, and look, I could talk about financial wellness and I could talk about other things, but they're the five that I really wanted to cover today. So when it comes to spiritual wellness, um, one of the things that I've learned is that it's important to give to people that are less fortunate than us. It, it's like a gratitude thing. Um, you know, I, I will because I can. And uh, my husband's been stuck across borders where he went to say goodbye to his father who did pass away within 24 hours of him being there. But we haven't been able to get him home for almost seven weeks because of the way that the Queensland, the state that I live in, the borders and how our politicians have managed all of that. And look, this is not a go politically. It's just been really frustrating to think that he would have been home weeks ago and we've still been uh, without him and we haven't been able to grieve as a family. And I was sitting in anger a lot for the first couple of weeks and wrote to the ministers and, you know, um, went on social media and talked about it. And then I went, you know, I'm putting my energy into the wrong thing. I then got in contact with somebody who was managing a private Facebook group of people that were in very similar situations to Scott. And we found out that there were women that were escaping domestic violence. We had families with um, disabilities living in tents and caravan parks. And people that were doing it so tough compared to us. We're doing it tough, but that was so much tougher. So one of the things that we decided to do was donate some money to people that were doing it very tough and almost didn't have the heart, didn't have the strength to be able to keep going and be able to make that happen. So when you give, whether it's financial or whether it's some time or whether it's some energy into somebody who is a lot worse off than you, I find it really helps my spiritual wellness. I actually realise I've got it really good and it makes me manage my wellness a lot better. The second thing I wanted to talk about, which I've spoken about earlier, some people meditate for emptying their brain. Some people meditate for their spiritual alignment. Some people meditate um, so they can emotionally cope. So people do it for different reasons. Um, but for me, also learning some ancient practices um, from different cultures that have been around for thousands, if not tens of thousands of years, 
and really being able to tap into the way that they do things is a really important way to start to tap more into my spiritual wellness. Um, you know, uh, I, I've talked about Wayne Dyer. I know he speaks about this beautiful meditation where he got James Twine who um, uh, did this resonance and created music for very, very early parts of Christianity. Um, I've got this beautiful Buddhist meditation. Um, I've got some, uh, I've got different cultures that I want to tap into, particularly the ones that have been around for thousands of years. And people have been practicing these things for thousands of years. Like I look at in our modern world, um, some of the things that we produce and how quickly they disappear. Some things don't even last a month, let alone a year or um, let alone a century. But for things that have lasted for thousands of years, I have a belief system that, you know, there's something in that if they've survived these thousands of years. And I want to tap into different types of meditation that link me into something that's bigger than myself. And again, um, I will build some of those into my daily practices and try a trial a few different things. And when I come across new things, because I just want to trial them and see if that fits and if it resonates, then that becomes part of my little toolkit for my wellness. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about, um, which I've spoken about before from a spiritual perspective, is again to give gratitude. So to utilise my uh, husband being um, locked out of our family in our state for a number of weeks, um, we actually looked at what are some of the good things in our family with my 11 and 12-year-olds, what are some of the good things that have come out of that? Now, we know all the negative things, and that's not to say it's bad that their dad or my husband's been away but there are always another way to look at things. So what have been some of the good things that have come out of it? Um, as I said, my wellness business has been in lockdown for nine weeks. And so sitting down with some of my team and some of the leaders within that business and saying, what are some of the good things that have come out of this lockdown? I know all the bad things. Let's look at some of the good things that have come out. So turning that coin and looking at the gratitudes and the blessings that you have makes me feel like I'm spiritually alive, makes me feel like that there's something more than me. Um, and again, anything that I've said in this podcast, I'm not expecting you to fall into my beliefs. I'm also not suggesting that I've got psychological advice. I'm just trying to share as much as I can in this podcast to try and really help you in your well-being. So whether it's psychological, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, the five areas I've spoken about today, I hope you've got one thing that perhaps you're already doing that you can deepen or perhaps you're not doing and you've got an idea that you might look into a little bit more and see if you can make that part of your practice. I always want you to live a really, really well life and I really want you to live a more balanced life. And again, if you've got any questions, the our podcast is called Ask Shivani. So ask away any questions, anything you'd like me to address. And I would so appreciate if you could take a moment and take time to review and rate this podcast. That just helps me spend more time doing the work I love and bringing it to you. Namaste. I'm Shivani Gupta, and you've been listening to the Ask Shivani podcast, where I got to ask some questions. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow Ask Shivani on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And if you haven't done so, please go to the Apple podcast and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It would mean a lot. Thank you. Thank you.